Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. I've titled this message today, Honk if you love Jesus. Now, I know you've now seen the pom-poms and that sounds a little bit cheesy and you're like, what are we in for? But this will all make sense by the end of this message today. I want to start by reading you a letter that a grandma wrote. Today I went up to a local Christian bookstore and saw a Honk If You Love Jesus bumper sticker. Well, I was feeling particularly sassy that day because I'd just come from a thrilling choir performance followed by a thunderous prayer meeting. So I bought the sticker and put it on my bumper. I was stopped at a red light at a busy intersection, just lost in thought about the Lord and how good He is. And I didn't notice that the light had changed to green. Well, it's a good thing that someone else loves Jesus because if he hadn't honked, I'd never have noticed. I found that lots of people love Jesus. Why, while I was sitting there, the guy behind me started honking like crazy. And then he leaned out his window and screamed, for the love of God, go, go, Jesus Christ, go. Well, what an exuberant cheerleader he was for Jesus. Everyone started honking. Well, I just leaned out my window and started waving and smiling at all these loving people. I even honked my horn a few times to share in the love. There must have been a man from Florida back there somewhere because he yelled something about a sunny beach. I saw another guy waving in a funny manner with only his middle finger stuck up in the air. I asked my teenage grandson in the back seat what that meant. He said it's probably a Hawaiian good luck sign. Well, I've never met anyone from Hawaii, so I leaned out the window and gave him the good luck sign back. My grandson burst out laughing. Why, even he was enjoying this religious experience. A couple of people were so caught up in the joy of the moment, they got out of their cars and started walking towards me. Well, I bet they wanted to pray with me or ask what church I attended. But this is when I noticed that the light had changed to green. So I waved to all my brothers and sisters, grinned and drove on through the intersection. I noticed though that I was the only car that got through before the light changed again. I felt kind of sad that I had to leave them all after all this love that we'd shared. So I slowed my car down, leaned out the window and gave them all the Hawaiian good luck sign one last time as I drove away. Praise the Lord for such wonderful folks. Has anyone ever had one of those bumper stickers? It's one reason I would never have one of those because I wouldn't know if people were tuning because they love Jesus or if they didn't like my driving. (laughs) You know, one thing that I believe that is happening in the church this year, due to all that's going on in the world with COVID, with the uncertainties, with the disruptions, with the changes, is that I believe God is strengthening his church and he's strengthening his people. And I believe that through all of this, God wants to make you stronger, stronger in your faith, stronger in your values, stronger in your convictions, stronger in your love for others and in all of your relationships. You know, it's a time that is certainly unsettling, but I believe God is resetting some things in our lives and making sure that our foundations are on the right things. But make no mistake, you will never be as strong as you can be without developing strong connections and strong, healthy interdependence on others. You know, the Apostle Paul, he taught us very clearly in 1 Corinthians 12 that a Jesus follower can't say to another part of the body, I don't need you, right? Because the truth is, is that we all need each other. 
John 13 verse 33 says, Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What is it that we are supposed to be known for? Love. Do you know that um, what they call certain animals when there's more than one? So a lion on its own is a lion, but a group of lions is called a pride. A group of rhinos is called a crash. A group of crows is called a murder. A group of vultures is called a committee. A group of flamingos is called a flamboyant. I love that. It says something about them, right? And a group of Jesus followers is the church. But sadly for many people, when they think church, they think hypocritical. They think judgmental. They think backbiting. But we are supposed to be known for our radical love for one another. And if you've ever had the desire to represent God well, and I believe you have, then we must wrestle with what it is I'm going to share today. So I just want to share another scripture that's a great encouragement to us in this season, and it's going to help frame up my message today. And it's found in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. You know, friends, there is such strength in team. Standing together with one spirit and one purpose is something that I believe wholeheartedly we need to grasp in this season. So I want to unpack this truth today using a parable. You know, Jesus used parables all the time to unpack truth, but today's parable you won't find in your Bible. It's actually a parable from nature, and it is the parable of the geese. The parable of the geese. You know, geese are really quite phenomenal creatures. And studying geese for this message today, I've decided that if I was to be an animal, I would want to be a geese, a goose. Singular, just one. <laughs> um, that does not give you permission to start calling me a goose. But uh, I'm going to share some facts about Canadian geese that you may or may not know. Firstly, Canadian geese migrate. So traveling at an average speed of 65 kilometers an hour, they travel anywhere between three and a half and 5,000 kilometers to get to warmer climates in winter. Pretty incredible, eh? I mean, right there is a one reason I would want to be a goose because, hello, who would not want to escape some of Canterbury's gloomy winter days for somewhere more tropical? Count me in. <laughs> Second fact about geese is that they have a common purpose and they achieve incredible things together. And we, as God's kids, we have a common purpose. We're created by God first and foremost to love Him, but also to love others, to make disciples and to advance his kingdom here on earth. And we are not just supposed to limp along towards that purpose, but we are supposed to fly towards that purpose. So today I want to explore three things that we can learn from the geese and apply to our lives. So if you're taking notes, three lessons from the geese. Number one, they go further together. 
It is estimated that geese can fly 75 to 80% further when they're flying together than any one goose can fly on their own. Incredible, eh? How do they do this? Well, you may have seen them. They fly in a V formation. So the lead goose breaks the air resistance, but the upbeat created by the other geese creates an extra lift to support the ones at the front. And then the front, they rotate and they all take a turn in the lead. Isn't that incredible? I just love that so much. Because, you know, in our Western culture, one of our greatest enemies is individualism. We have such a focus on being independent, able to sort out our own problems and not need anyone else, right? Do you agree? You know, for example, in parenting, a lot of focus goes on raising kids to be independent when they leave home. But is that really what they need to be? You know, our goal for those of us who are parents, I believe, is shouldn't be to raise our kids to be independent when they leave home, although being able to wipe their own bottoms and tie their own shoelaces is probably something they don't want to be asking their flatmates to do. That's a good thing. But I believe right, raising our kids to be healthily interdependent, to be confident and secure in themselves and who they've created to be, been created to be, but at the same time, aware of their limitations, aware that they will still have struggles and that they need community. You know, one of my favorite passages of scripture is found in Exodus, where we just see an awesome example of teamwork and interdependence. And it's in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow, I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. And as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. You know, this story is incredible and it paints such a powerful picture of the importance of everyone playing their part. You know, the battle wasn't won that day just by Joshua's great leadership. It wasn't won by the battle skills of the army alone. It wasn't won by, just by Moses praying or by Aaron and her supporting Moses, but by all of them doing their part. It was the leadership of Joshua. It was the skill and commitment of the army. It was the prayers of Moses. It was the support and the commitment of Aaron and her. And of course, the faithfulness and power of God. Together, they won a victory that day. You know, they all had different parts to play, but you can't say that one part was more important than the other. It's like they were flying in a V formation that day. V also stands for victory. You know, when will we realize that our struggle to be independent only ever limits our lives? You know, to share a personal example of how much I relate to the struggle is that my husband Steve and I have had to work really hard to undo our independence as it has limited our effectiveness together and created a whole lot of frustration in our marriage over the years. 
Because when we got married at the age of 25, we were both fiercely independent people. I'd already lived away from home for eight years. I'd been to uni, I'd been to Excel, I'd flattered, I'd boarded, I'd moved cities three times. I was very capable of sorting things out on my own. And Steve was also a really independent person and his upbringing meant that he'd detached emotionally from his parents and he'd put walls up around his heart in his teenage years to say, I don't need anybody else. I can sort life out by myself. So when we got married, it was not an easy combination. (laughs) And we didn't know how to have a healthy interdependence on each other. So we just defaulted time and time again to living in a very individualistic way. Because how many married people here know that the falling in love part's easy? The falling in love part's easy, right? The living together and meshing of your lives together is a whole other challenge. And the last 17 years of our marriage have been a continual journey of working out how to have a healthy interdependence on one another. And just when we thought we were getting good at it, you throw in lockdown and you're stuck with each other for two months and it's like, oh, there is still room for growth. (laughs) Uh, But we've discovered that there's so much more synergy and harmony and effectiveness in our marriage and our parenting and in our ministry when we are operating with a healthy interdependence on each other rather than just trying to sort things out on our own. You know, friends, if we're going to move into all that God's called us to to do, then let's learn the first lesson from the geese today is that we will always go further together. My second point is that they leave no one behind. Do you know if one goose can't keep up due to injury or sickness or fatigue, they drop out and land, and immediately at least two other geese drop out and land with them, and they wait with that goose until it is recovered enough to fly again, and then the three of them will fly together again and catch up to another group of geese. Pretty, pretty incredible. And isn't that a great picture of how we seem to intuitively know what the Christian life is supposed to look like? You know, it's been said that solitude is a gift from God, but isolation is a tool of the enemy. And yet for so many people, when we face challenges, we can easily be tempted to isolate ourselves, right? We withdraw, we pull back, we stop coming to church, we shut other people out while we try to sort ourselves out. And this has been true of so many people this year with the challenges that have surfaced through the COVID journey. And yet, More than ever, it's when we need to be leaning on each other and reaching out and supporting each other. Galatians 6 verse 2 says, Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. You know, to be obedient to this instruction from God, we need to know what burdens other people are carrying. And we need to get better at allowing other people in to carry our burdens. God has designed you. God has designed me to both need others and be needed by others. So I want to encourage you, let's commit ourselves to building the kind of church where healthy interdependence is normal, where we can learn that we need each other. My third point this morning, lessons from the geese, is that they honk each other on. You know, one of the most interesting things about geese that fly in formation is that you can hear them from miles away, right? And why is that? It's because they honk as they fly. 
Obviously, this isn't a replica goose horn. It's the closest I could find. Is that getting annoying yet? <laughs> I'm not here to be annoying this morning. <laughs> okay, put that down, Amy. <laughs> Step away from the horn. <laughs> You've heard them, right? Who's heard that when they're flying? Yeah, it's incredible. So researchers have often looked for a reason, and it is widely accepted that there are two reasons why they honk. Firstly, a very practical reason. It's so they know where each other is and they don't fly into each other. That is very logical and a very good reason. <laughs> but it's also believed that that is how they encourage each other to fly such incredible distances. It is believed one of the secrets to their great accomplishment is that they fly with a spirit of encouragement. Man, I love that. You know, isn't this the picture that we see of the church in the New Testament? Hebrews 10, 25 says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, and all the more, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You know, as Christians, we've been called to live a life that's counterculture often going against the flow, making sacrifices and sometimes taking steps of faith that are a bit risky and a bit scary, right? How do we continue to run a race like that? Well, we've got to learn how to honk each other on. We've got to learn how to cheer each other on. We've got to learn how to encourage one another. This is another reason I would be a really good goose because apparently, according to my children, I can be heard miles away. Without a microphone. <laughs> yeah, just ask them when it comes to their sporting events. Anyway, moving on. But you know what? Encouragement is so powerful. Speaking of sporting events, I remember being at my kids' cross-country back in March. It just snuck in before lockdown, much to my daughter's horror. She wishes it was the week later. But anyway, I noticed after a few races that the majority of the parents there were the parents of the really sporty kids who were coming in the top 10 of their races. And then once they'd finished, everybody would move away from the finish line, even though there were like 30 or 40 kids still running the race. And these kids were running alone. Some of them were crying. And they didn't have anyone still standing there cheering them on. And I was like, this is not okay. <laughs> this needs to change. And so I decided to stay for the rest of that afternoon, even though my kids had done their race. I was like, I'm going to stay until every single child has crossed that finish line. And I clapped and I cheered and I chanted and I would have loved to have had my pom-poms, but my kids said, no pom-poms this year, mum. I may have taken the pom-poms the year before. I'm, not, I'm banned from taking pom-poms. But you know, I could have left after my kids finished their race but I stayed because I wanted every child to know that they mattered, that somebody was cheering them on, that somebody believed in them. And I honked them on until they finished their race. And isn't that a picture of how, as the church, we should cheer each other on? You know, this is the church that God is building. Firstly, we go further together. You know, we've got a journey to take. So let's do it by leveraging the strength we can get from one another. Secondly, we leave no one behind. We refuse to see helping others as an inconvenience. We take time to notice and come alongside those that are struggling. And thirdly, we honk each other on. We're committed to building a spirit of encouragement. In fact, why don't you turn to the person next to you right now and say, I am honking you on. Oh, mate. I'm honking you on. <laughs> You know, 
God's heart for Thrive, God's heart for this church is that you would continue to be a beacon of hope and love to this region, that increasingly people will be drawn to you as they will see the love and the passion that you have for God, for each other and for this region and beyond. As I was praying for you as a a faith community earlier in the week, God actually showed me a picture, a vision. And I want to share that with you now. And I've written it down so that I can share it more succinctly. But you might want to close your eyes and just visualize this as I share it and just let it really speak to your spirit. So the picture started firstly zoomed out and it was of a huge castle with large turrets set on a hill. It was grand It was magnificent. It was strong. And this verse came straight into my spirit, Matthew 5.14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And then in the vision, I was zoomed in to one of the turrets. And the turret was a very tall and very strong tower. And the second verse came straight into my spirit, Genesis 11.6. If as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Now we know in the context that that was written, that was when they were building the Tower of Babel with the wrong motive. But I felt that the Spirit of God dropped that verse into my mind as an encouragement to you of what can be achieved through incredible unity. And then the third part of the picture, I was zoomed in even closer again to a very close up of the bricks that made up the turret. And every brick was the same size and color. There were no bricks that stood out as being different. And I sensed God say that the bricks represent every person at Thrive. And it is a reminder that every single person at Thrive is of equal value and importance. And the part they play is of equal importance and significance. And then God highlighted to me how every brick was perfectly aligned and positioned. And God said, if one brick is out of alignment, it affects the structural integrity and strength of the tower. And I sensed God was saying that in this season, He is bringing about a greater alignment of heart and spirit than ever before. And this in turn will bring a greater strength to the building and carrying of the vision of this church. And He also said, while there's been a pain and a grief of people leaving recently, I will continue to bring in and position people who will be aligned in heart and vision and who will build with you as you continue to grow in each knowing the part you play and walking confidently in that. You will not only be like the strong tower, but you'll be like this castle. You will increasingly be a beacon of hope and love to this region that people will increasingly hear about Thrive being a place of love, hope and healing. And as you continue to passionately pursue Jesus in unity, nothing will be impossible for you. You know, I really believe that that picture is an encouragement from God of the incredible heart and spirit that this church carries that will only continue to increase as you continue to grow in your interdependence with each other. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media.